0: This is the Evolution Exchange Podcast, a platform that brings the Nordic Tech community together. My name is Sean Hughes. I connect businesses with Freelance Tech Solutions and I'm your host. So welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange Podcast. Today I'm joined by Damian Nezevich, Michaela Larson, Martin Attlee and Frederick Willinius to discuss how organizations can create a culture that supports a healthy work-life balance before we delve deeper into the topic let's work our way around the room with some introductions damian would you like to kick us off
1: yeah sure hey guys uh, thanks for having me my name is damian knishovic i am the design domain lead for Samson, a, a consultancy based here in, in stockholm sweden and we work towards to, towards tech and product mainly mainly in stockholm and in sweden but also towards the us with like companies like klarna and spotify and so on uh, and we actually have a very strong focus around specifically work-life balance uh, where we try to give a lot of autonomy and, and kind of empower our employees to uh, to customize and design their working experience to kind of better suit their life situation. Uh, and but our kind of primary goal and focus is around self-leadership where we uh, where we kind of give uh, our employees the tools to identified and gain insights about what needs they have in both the personal aspects and in the in the professional aspect so we can help kind of facilitate and enable those needs uh, me personally i have a engineering background started as kind of a full stack went into front-end development and slowly transitioned into design and yeah most recently i worked with with Klarna as a design director working within the purchase experience domain. And today I'm working with Samsung, contracting with uh, towards Spotify, which is super, super fun. And yeah, on my spare time, I'm a, I'm a gamer and a food junkie. So that's my go-to activities.
0: That's a fantastic introduction there. Great to get a good scope of, of everything you've been across and what you like doing in your spare time. Michaela, would you like to uh, go next?
2: Yeah, I'll try to follow that up. <laughs> um, Yes, I'm Michaela Larsson. I'm the design lead for TV4Media. So I work with our uh, streaming services, Seymour and Telia Play. Uh, uh, and before that, I worked at H&M as a product designer. So I came from the advertising uh, side of things and realized during one of my classes that I was like, that I want to design stuff that are actually fun and long lasting. So then I kind of got into the product design uh, trail and have continued on that. Um, I just uh, joined uh, TV4Media this December and we're doing a big reorg. So for me, it's quite interesting to come in as new, but also being able to kind of help shape how we want to work in the future. Uh, So it's a really interesting time, but it's also obviously struggling to find the balance between, you know, uh, giving to deliver stuff, but also be mindful of people's um, mental change when it comes to change within an organization so it's a lot of fun I'm excited to hear what everyone else have to share today and when I don't work I watch a lot of TV which is obviously because I watch uh, work in streaming um, and uh, like to pretend that I like to be outdoors at least but that varies from time to time I guess.
0: <laughs> Fantastic I believe you um, feature in your own podcast as well Michaela on on some TV programs tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Oh, yeah, great. A very very professional podcast. There might be uh, some unprofessional opinions, but we kind of rate different uh, TV shows um, and kind of discuss uh, what we like and what we don't like about them. Try to look at it from like a more gender neutral perspective, like what could be done better. Um, And yeah, but mostly it's just me talking quotes about The Office and trying to get anything to become better than the office U.S. I know you and me, Sean, we are a bit different in that way, but it's quite, it's a, a lot of fun.
0: You'll never beat Ricky Gervais is my is my um, <laughs> two cents on that. Martin, what about you?
3: Yes, Martin Atrem. Uh, working at Scania as the Global Head of Commercial Parts Management within the sales and uh, marketing at Scania. Uh, I've been working quite long for Scania. I started in 2006. I've been there like 15 years now. Many different roles, of course. Uh, That's the advantage with this big company. You started off one end, and then you actually started in IT at that time as a management trainee. And then moving on uh, within the IT, some R&D, being out in the marketplace, and now I'm at sales and marketing. Uh, So, uh, yeah, quite long, actually. Manager since 2015. So, Our challenge now is, of course, to be entering our shifting to the sustainability aspect to try to be the leader in sustainable transport. And that is really, you can say that you have to uh, drive the bicycle or ride a bicycle in the same time as you invent it. That's quite a challenge. So um, uh, that's what we do. And our main focus is, of course, to have a balance uh, in in, uh, the current business model and the new business model. So I live in Stockholm uh, and Segetorp. uh, and in my spare time, well, I have my family, and my two children. Uh, it's high, I'm six and ten now. And uh, in the in the free time, I uh, I try to reload by practicing music, actually, and some mindfulness. Uh, we have a band in Stockholm playing at weddings and parties, and that's that's really fun. I also love to run. And by running, I think that uh, that's new for me, like three or four years back. It's given me a mindfulness of its own and also a way of solving problems, I think. And that's also where creating balance in my life, I inhumanly solve the problems when I'm not running and then I'm back. I have some solutions on it. So that's me.
0: Perfect. I tried to start running at the start of the pandemic and discovered that I have terrible shin splints and uh, I'll never run on the road again. Um, I could do it <laughs> in, in a gym, um, air conditioned. Uh, with a nice treadmill, but uh, road running with inclines is not for me, um, unless I fancy being in a wheelchair by the time I'm fifty. Uh, Frederick, what about you?
4: Yes, thank you. Uh, I'm Frederick Valenius. Uh, nice to be here. Uh, I work as a uh, an engineering director at uh, Swedish uh, fintech scale up Tink, uh, where I lead mainly the teams. Building our internal infrastructure and developer platform, and everything the engineers at Think uh, need to do their job. And I'm also part of the uh, overall uh, engineering leadership team for for all of Think. Uh, come from a, a, I guess, the typical background in in this line of uh, job. I'm, I started as a software engineer uh, and did that many years, and over time got more and more into to management and and leadership and. Grow grew to like that uh, job even more than actually writing code. Uh, before joining Tink, I spent uh, four years at uh, Google, uh, also leading teams in, in that. So both tried yeah. a, a really, really large company and, and, and slightly smaller setting here at, at Tink. Uh, outside of work, I, I have three children, so they tend to keep me somewhat busy. Um, but other than that, seems like similar interest as the previous speakers. I also try to get out running, or at least just spend time outdoors, preferably in a in a woods somewhere. Uh, some gaming, gaming as well. I used to do it a lot when younger, uh, not so much now. But now when uh, World of Warcraft started releasing retro versions, and I can go back to being in 2006 again, that is keeping me somewhat busy again. So that's me.
0: Sounds really good. And now that we've established a context uh, and a background to each of you, um, let's jump into the topic in focus today. Um, You've all come to this this recording with a question or a statement on the topic of creating a culture that supports a healthy work-life balance. As usual, I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. Each of you will also have the opportunity to give your take on everyone else's situation, so let's start with uh, Damian. Sorry to pick on you.
1: No worries. Uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, basically, so what we're seeing a lot in in Samsung, and the reason kind of why we why we started working towards that direction with, with work life balance is we're kind kind of starting to see the lines between between work and life kind to of starting to blur, especially in tech and any product where people who have a lot of passion for what they do they start investing that into their work so life and work kind of overlap in some sense and get intertwined they don't live independently from each other Um, so my question to you guys is uh, to what extent do we believe that an employer should have responsibility to care for their employees personal development in contrast to like traditional organizations that mainly or primarily focus around professional growth.
0: It's a great question. Um, I'm looking to see whether anyone's given me any eye contact, which they're not. So let's um, pick on someone. Uh, Martin, what's your take on um, Damian's situation uh, and the question that he's asked?
3: Yeah, uh, I think that uh, it's all about balance. I mean, uh, if if you're working at home, uh, like we do, many of us now since the pandemic, Uh, it's about finding a balance between your private life and the work life and then the employee has a big responsibility in actually reaching out and understanding the situations of different employees and and what you're up to and of course i would say that it it of course is a timing issue as well and time to learn it has been many months now that we have learned going through this hype curve so yeah we are home we can be free we can do the laundry in the same time as we're working and then some downs, I think, uh, in, in order to, oh, I'm alone. Where's my colleagues? Where's the overhearing I here? And uh, I think that the responsibility of an employee, uh, as well as the employer, is actually to find these uh, common platforms and have more uh, digital ways of, of having this overhearing to try out things. Uh, and, and understand also that I think that each individual has uh, different needs. And... Uh, Different needs depends also probably where you are in life. If you have small children at home, the leaving and fetching at kindergarten probably much easier. Uh, on the other hand, you, you're never alone in that sense. So it's, it's maybe hard to, to um, balance between stop working in that sense. When you start working, a bit after work, so to speak, between uh, these late hours. So I think that it's, um, it's a mix of, of uh, you have to understand different situations and find a balance.
0: Fantastic insights there, uh, Frederick. Would you like to jump in on this?
4: Yeah, well, I just had a a, a short uh, thought uh, on on that specific topic. I I, I think I, I don't think I've thought that much about it, but I think it's an interesting uh, question, and it, it it struck me that one thing you can do as an as an employer uh, employer is to to at least create uh, an arena for for. Your your people uh, in the, in the company to 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 learn from each other, which I, I think I see being done pretty well here at Tink, but also at the at the, the company I was before. For example, as a concrete example, I, I have one person on my team that is very passionate about meditation. So obviously that's not part of Tink's this core business, right? <laughs> meditation, but but he runs a a, a group uh, that anyone at Tink can join where. They, you know, they do meditation and and, and learn uh, from each other around it. And I I saw similar uh, type of uh, uh, initiatives at at uh, at Google when I was there, where where they ran a, a large uh, initiative. I think it was called Googler to Googler, where where anyone had their uh, free freedom to set up like these kind of. Uh, I don't want to call it work groups that that sounds too uh, businessy but but like uh, uh, groups where people can learn from each other so to speak so i i would put that in a in the more personal development rather than professional development
0: what are your thoughts Michaela
2: there's been a lot of good thoughts so i don't think i have any revolutionary but i agree about the fact that obviously personal development Development also feeds into the business development. So the more time you can enable for people to do, to learn something new or learn from each other, or um, we're we're looking into finding like uh, one day a month where you can learn whatever you want, and it doesn't need to have anything to do with what you're doing at work. It could be you know meditating for a day. I don't know, but you share it, and that also then feeds into you will also deliver better business value by giving your employees the time to actually build on their personal development and um, so I just really think that since it's blending so much now especially when working from home we're super hard You like you close your work computer and then you open your personal computer so like the difference is so small that you need to kind of as an employee employer I think you need to enable time for personal development even during work hours because that's not defined uh, as easily anymore.
0: Certainly so damian Back to you then. Uh, based on the input from the rest of the guys on the panel, um, where does that leave you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I um, I totally share the the thoughts. I think it's uh, individual responsibility, also uh, organizational responsibility to some extent, to to think about these things. Uh, me personally, I think when I project that topic onto myself, I think like have I ever been stressed out at work due to a private situation? Or have I ever been stressed out at home due to a work situation? You quickly realize like, yeah, the answer is yes. Uh, and the same, it goes not only in the negative way, but also in the positive. When I'm happy, I bring that happiness over to work. So uh, during uh, maybe our late night wine tasting, philosophical talks at, at, uh, with with friends and, and uh, colleagues, we were talking like, why is this? disconnect there between work and life why don't we see it as as kind of one entity and one conclusion we came up with which i think find very interesting is like the way we define a successful individual Uh, if you think about a successful individual uh, you'll usually think about somebody who's leading a very uh, successful business or working with big brands big projects crunching maybe long hours or delivering great results but this doesn't necessarily mean that this individual is happy or, or content. It only kind of paints half of the picture of an individual's life. And um, it doesn't necessarily tell you the story that is this individual a loving parent or a caring spouse or a good friend? Or uh, or are they taking care of their physical and, and mental well-being? And I think those aspects are equally important to kind of maintain outside of work to bring into work and vice versa so I think a happy and content individual in their personal life will positively affect their work situation and the same goes for being happy and content at work you'll probably bring that joy over to your personal life Uh, so yeah I think employers should to some extent start caring more and more about uh, employee employees uh, personal development and um, and I think we're going to see, like, with organizations already getting praised, like, you know, like, CRISP is one of those organizations getting praised for their, their work-life culture. And uh, I think you see that at the bottom line. You're going to see impact with maybe a quality of work, efficiency, maybe employee retention as well within the company. But uh, then you need to take the discussion with higher-ups about, is this uh, a short-term strategy that is going to pay off within a couple of months? Or is it, like, the the infinite game is something that you have to do as kind of a long-term strategy and I think it's within that ballpark you need to think about the long term of the company and the long term of each individual and maybe it's a harder sell but I definitely think that's the direction we we
3: should go for for sure.
0: I think that point on um, sort of viewing work and life as one entity and how you can balance the two segues really really nicely into Michaela's question. Um, Michaela asks about how we can manage expectations in setting clear estimations on time and effort. I think that's a, a nice way to sort of bring that in. So Michaela, do you want to give us a bit more of a, a context and a background on your question?
2: Yeah, well, uh, I've been in a couple of, I mean, a reorganisation now. I've been at, in my previous jobs. Like, and when you work in this big, like, legacy companies, it is like you... In your or me in my design team, like we're very aligned on like how we want to work, and it is very flat. But obviously, when you work for a company that has a lot of history, it's also about the fact of like enabling your team to get that balance. But how do you I'm just curious to see like how can you convince or kind of explain the fact that obviously we will not work eight to eight and we cannot squeeze more things into a sprint just because we've done it before. Like, because now we're trying to move in a different pace. And I think that's like one of the things that I've had a hard time, like packaging in a way uh, to make sure that I know what my team wants, but how can I then enable that from them? Because obviously we can say, oh, you know, you should never work after five, but if you have 4,000 things in your to-do list, you will probably stay in work after five. Um, so I just uh, it's an open question, so I have no answer, but it would be fun or interesting to hear if anyone have any insights or learnings from building on that.
0: No, I think it's a really good question, and I'm I'm really keen to to probe all of you on this. Um I'm gonna go to Frederick first. So Frederick, in your role as as an engineering director at Tink, um how do you manage these expectations and, and set out these estimations on timings and
4: effort? Mm-hmm. Yeah, super good question, super good question. I, I think, um, and, and this is where we as managers play such an important role, right? Like to, to some extent, it it is, you know, we need to protect our teams uh, a bit from from high pressure from the rest of the organization. There's a couple of things that are, like, if I look at it from, like, my, my manager angle, like, there's a couple of things that I, I hold truth, and I, I, I think they're super important. One is, like, there there can never be a constant pressure on a team, like, we can we can live with, like, peaks, right? And it's something I need to look out for, like, these people, if they understand why certain things are super important and su- super urgent, then we can have slightly higher pressure during periods, right? But, but that pressure needs to go down uh, uh, ever so often, right? And that's, that's very much on me, I think, to to make sure that happens. Uh, and then it's a lot about and, and maybe just stating the obvious, sometimes it's it's a lot about making it almost overly clear to your stakeholders what you can and what you cannot deliver, right. Like it's usually that surprise element that will make things. Uh, blow up right like if you can early say like here's what we're going to do and this is what we're going to do and here are three things we're not going to be able to do in this time frame once again probably stating the obvious but the sooner you can give those uh, uh, messages to your to your stakeholders uh, then that's that's the way to to uh, uh, release some of that pressure from from the team i might have had another third uh, thought on that as well uh, Should we come back to you? Yeah,
3: let's do that.
0: We'll come back to Frederick. Martin, what are your thoughts on this?
3: In Scania, we have a, a way of working with this in some time that we call work balance dialogue model. Uh, it's a really fantastic tool. I don't know if you've heard about it, but this is really, really giving us the, the way of, of uh, pulsing uh, different aspects of, of, of what we call work balance. So one is manageability. As we talk about, do we even manage uh, what is the workload of each employee? We have colors, like blue is excellent. Red is really, really under the ice. We have to do something. And green and yellow is somewhere in between. And that we do on a regular basis together with all the teams. It it was uh, um, uh, not mandatory, but definitely something that we we, uh, took on quite early. Because we thought that this was really giving us a good insight to the team. Or the manageability and if you have a high manageability uh, i mean if, if you have a red flag or yellow flag there uh, then it's really as you were into also fairly that you really don't need to recover so we have recovery on the other end it's basically a circle with uh, four pie charts so the recovery uh, if that is okay you can manage some workload tops as uh, within the manageability but you cannot stay on the red forever and definitely not over time because then you probably have a big problem, getting too stressed and maybe given even sick. So those two work in balance in that sense. And then on the other hand, to understand what we do, to understand why we are pressuring that hard, we have the comprehensibility, that direction basically, on the one hand, and the meaningfulness. So those are also two in balance. So the four fields actually give us a good way of pulsing uh, con- constantly uh, with our team to see where we stand. And that is at least giving us not just the coloring, but also the the actual um, uh, the the sentences behind and the and the discussions that we have within the teams, and it's really appreciated as well. This this way of working has helped us a lot to identify. And then, as you as a manager, you can go in and have separate chats with the employees. So that's a good tool. Uh, and then, of course, it's about trust, building trust in 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 the team to to be um, actually open to what you feel. Don't sit around and wait and say, "Yeah, I need to manage." I cannot tell my manager that I'm overloaded. Please tell. We love deviations. Deviations, for Scania. that's one of our core values, and respect for individual. So those two imbalance, the manageability and recovery. I think yeah, answers quite good up to to um, if you are to, as you say, protect the team by measuring um, the temperature on a regular basis. So that's one good way of working.
0: I think the word trust there that you used is um is quite sort of imperative in in this topic really with work-life balance as a a, from my point of view at least um a rare occasion where I'll chime in um trust is something that you need to have as an employer with your employees that they're going to utilize that time right and vice versa that as an employee to your employer that they that your employer is going to essentially you trust in them to to make best use of your time and and respect you um as well damian what do you think
1: yeah uh, this is a great question is it's the million dollar question right for any any manager it feels like uh been in this situation my myself multiple times and and maybe it's it's a biased answer because i've uh, i've maybe not experienced as many organizations but i feel like one very uh, common occurrence where where we tend to like disconnect and manage expectations to higher ups is during reviews where where upper management have asks to the individual teams and um and i feel like in, in most situations where we have these individuals like managers or pms who are on the front line talking with with stakeholders Uh, I've myself experienced this uh, scenario where people kind of get a little bit, uh, I wouldn't use the word scared, but uh, they become yes men within that context where the ask from the stakeholder is kind of what you want to fulfill. Uh, But I would say the, the best teams that I've been working with has been where... The, the team sitting with the stakeholders, what they do is when they get an ask from, from a stakeholder, they get usually get a solution. That's how stakeholders want to uh, kind of exemplify a, a, a solving a problem, right? And what our job is within that room, I think is to extrapolate that problem problem statement from the stakeholder and bring that problem statement back to the team. So once you have that problem statement, you go back to the team, and you put that problem in front of the team because then you can kind of flesh out and scope out multiple directions to go with, uh, scope out estimates and uh, and potential risk and rewards with different approaches. You bring that back to your stakeholders and you say, these are the potential solutions we can go for. And if you want to go with this, our backlog is full. So we'll have to reprior that. And that's kind of the uncomfortable talk you you need to have with stakeholders that I, in my experience, I've seen a lot of people try to avoid because you you want to kind of be pleasing the stakeholders and kind of fulfill whatever requests they have but usually that puts the team in between a rock and a hard place and that means overworking burnout and everything that comes with it so i think managing those expectations in a very early stage extrapolating extrapolating that problem statement and putting that in front of the core competencies of the company is is probably the most kind of pragmatic way to go to avoid the, those situations.
0: It's really good insights from from the three contributors there, Michaela. Where does that sort of sit with you? Is there anything that you that you'd like to add? Any agreements, disagreements?
2: No, I I think it's uh, number one super helpful to kind of hear. And you know, sometimes like in the role, you're also like, wait, am I the only, am I the only one like feeling this way or like? struggling with like knowing the balance uh but i think a lot of things that came up like for example the trust and i feel like one of my things is that i take care of my team my team needs to trust me i cannot g- go in and promise something before checking with the team because then i'm selling them out for me to to look good or just to say yes um so i would definitely check in some of these like measuring uh, points uh, or processes as well because I think it's super important obviously or we all work with data so like the more data we can collect we can also see patterns and see where we can change and it it can't just it doesn't just have to be a feeling like it feels like we have a lot going on now okay but do we or do we not so uh, really good uh, help helpful tips for me
0: (laughs) fantastic so what we'll do now is we'll we'll change direction slightly um Frederick wants to talk a little bit more about whether it's in the control of that um, particular manager, um, or whether it stems from the company culture at a wider scale, uh, whether it's a more deeply rooted if this is something that um, that people have an issue with if, if employees are subjected to a less healthy work-life balance. So Frederick, do you want to give us a bit more of a... Um, of a context to where this has come from uh, and talk us through your opinion before we go around the room.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah definitely uh, and I, I guess it's it's almost like a fi- philosophical question but but uh, it would be interesting to hear what what people think about this like I, I think that you know since, since the, the the four of us wanted to talk about this we, we probably have some pretty healthy ideas on the topic I assume uh, but uh, my 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 thinking was like will we be able to to take these with us and and build a healthy team anywhere or like how how much can we actually control this ourselves and how much will will always stem from the from the organization we're in and and will there be settings where it's not you know we're not going to be able to solve this it's actually the organization that dictates the the work-life balance uh, for the for the people that works there so, so just throwing that one out there, and 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 interesting to hear what you what you think on that.
0: Damian, we'll come to uh, we'll come to you first. Um, what are your thoughts on on what Frederick has to say?
1: Yeah, I think uh, yeah, of course it ties back to some of the topics we've been talking about, but I think um, I think there are like as well in this question has a few few moving parts. I think. Uh, one responsibility is on the individual, uh, always. I think it's, uh, as we talked about, like middle management or man- managers, uh, and there is a responsibility on the upper management. I, something that we're doing with Samson is like, we're trying to empower the, the individual uh, a lot, where we give them like coaching sessions. They have the ability to kind of extract their their insights and needs and kind of prioritize those and work with them whether those are personal or or professional. And I think uh, giving them that tooling is also going to help them like empower them to say no to certain scenarios or understand where their ambitions are coming from to not overwork each and every task they have in their backlog. So I think like if you work with very ambitious people which probably most of us do uh, we we're gonna have employees who you give a small task to and they're gonna like make wonders out of it. And if you have that kind of a mindset, it's equally important to understand like where your level of good enough is as well. So I definitely think there is some responsibility on, on the individual to do that. But then when it comes to middle management, I definitely think like fending off that, those big asks like crunching, that crunching culture of companies Being kind of that that meat shield between the team and the stakeholders is also equally important, even though that that position also kind of leads to burnout because you're constantly, if it's it's a bad culture within the company, you're constantly going to kind of fend off the lions from your team to to protect them. And unfortunately, what, what might end up happening is that that manager burns out and the team is left exposed sounds like a very very aggressive culture but you know what i mean uh, and and but even though there might be like grassroot cultural movements in any organization where a uh, work-life balance might might occur i still think that it's super important for any organization to to adopt that from the higher-ups like any type of work life uh, work-life culture in any organization needs to be adopted by them but because Maybe this is me being very pessimistic, but uh, if we start like if the company starts like balancing the book and looking at the finances, what's gonna what is going to be cut is probably the initiatives that drain drain money from the company that weren't voted for by by the higher ups. So I think that a work life culture needs to be something that trickles down from the top. Uh, and needs to be adopted from the top and upper management as well. So I think there are like multiple levels of responsibility and you can you can empower all of those levels but eventually to get that ingrained into the entire culture of the organization you probably need like the the management and and all of the upper leads to to kind of step up and and talk about it openly.
0: No, oh, Great point, um, Martin I'm really intrigued by um, where you sit and, and and what your thoughts are on organisational levels of responsibility and, and how they can be sort of influenced and controlled by different levels of management?
3: I think, I mean, it would be very interesting now uh, looking out in the society when we have been basically forced into this pandemic. Everybody is forced to work at home. First, we started off with this Two-day work that we had in Scoina, for instance, and some were working three days, four days. And, and then we could we're not allowed to work anymore in that sense. Uh, but we learned during this whole year how it was to work again from distance, much, much higher extent and much faster than we ever expected uh, to come. So now it would be truly interesting to see how the companies react. We've seen a few examples. I saw that just recently, I think it was this morning actually. It was really chaos for the employees when some company, I think it was some kind of bank company, I've not mentioned the name, uh, made the, making a policy from the company saying, you, you're allowed to work only two days from home. And I was like, what? We've been working five days and you've been getting this uh, effort out and the effect that we, we now have a good balance in. And now they're forcing them back basically three days uh, to be in the office. And then this old way of working comes back. And then we have to question ourselves, do we feel the trust for the employees? Will they do the work anyway? Will they find the work balance? And as we all agree, I think it's a really, really good uh, um, example of where the managers are really, really important in to protect the employees, to find and trust them, but also to put really sharp requirements of what needs to be done. Because if we not put requirements of what, the, what we want as an outcome, how can we measure the effect? If you measure the office hours when you stamp in and stamp out, okay, that's one thing. You can sit around in office doing nothing, but you do your hours. That's not something we want, of course. So I think the trust, again, from the company, and that must come also from above some policies for big companies like ours, allowing the flexibility uh, that we have now discovered that we gain from probably much more than we lose from, and to find a balance because people want to come back. But they probably function much better if we take in consideration all that we have learned through this time now, by being flexible. For instance, when when are you when are you most efficient working? Is it between eight to five, or is it maybe between five and ten in the evening that you do twice as good job? And the companies that actually dare to fulfill and to live that further, I think, is the winners going forward.
0: I think it's a it's there's a couple of key themes that are. Um, making themselves evident here um, in this discussion, one of them being trust, one of them being adaptability and another being flexibility. Um, Times are changing, aren't they? And and we've seen over the last 12-18 months that we can change things that are the norm um, to suit the needs of whether it be the business or or its key players. Um, That's really interesting. Michaela, what are your thoughts?
2: No, I agree. I think uh, I think companies need to change, and but it is a struggle. And, I, and one of the things that I've seen during the pandemic, uh, which I think and I hope that a lot of the upper management or like the people who sit with, you know, looking at the business and like how much it, much it costs for people to work from home and, and all that kind of stuff. Like people also don't demand that much. Like it's not. I think a lot of companies might be scared that, like you know, like if we let people choose whenever they want to work, they're not going to work. That's obviously been proven to be wrong. Uh, Another thing that I thought was uh, really nice was um, uh, a friend of mine. uh, Every Friday they get a little gift card to go and buy an ice cream. It doesn't cost the company anything, but like for the people who work, I was like so jealous. So like, it also doesn't need to cost a lot of money to create a good culture. Just like people are not getting greedy and want all of it they want some of it and I also think that people want the option to choose most people will choose to go back to the office a couple of days a week but the option needs to be on the employees uh, and the employer could just enable that and that I just I really hope that you can like big, big companies or like companies in general can see the value in that because then you will not lose talent, you will not, obviously now people can look around for other jobs or most, or like some people at least. So I just really think that to keep the motivated people motivated, we you can give a little and get a lot. And I think that's like a really important thing to think of when you make these decisions about different rules after the pandemic or whatever it might be.
0: Fantastic, Frederick. How do you feel uh, based on, on the insights that everyone's given you there, the thoughts that they've given their opinions, and how they view um, how to no, deal with these things?
4: Definitely, uh, really good things to 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 take with me. I, I, I really like several things there, but I, like one thing that that um, that I feel strongly about uh, is, is this. Um, I mean, work life balance and having a healthy one. I mean, obviously, it doesn't mean that we will get less done it's 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 really all about uh to some extent which was uh damien was in on like you know providing people with tools and 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 making them understand how to 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 deal with this and that it is also individual responsibility i think that's super important to bring and then to me i mean what's what will put people usually in a in a in a bad place uh, when it comes to this is usually the lack of control, and and that lack of control can come from, you know, unreasonable requirements or, or not understanding why they should do what they're asked to do, but it also you know this 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 hard requirements you need to be in the office at that hour you're not allowed to leave until then, yeah, you know, giving people some some flexibility and autonomy will will go a long way because. Most of the people we work with, they are engaged in the work, so it's it's not about like ma- making people work less necessarily, but it's it's giving them the, the control and autonomy to do the work the the way they feel uh, works best for them. That's that's to me what's uh, a healthy work like balance often means. And some people, I will actually have to tell tell them to work a bit less. Maybe they're too engaged in the work at times, and I was like, oh, I don't think this will work for you forever. So you know it's great that you're doing all this work, but sometimes you need to relax a bit as well.
0: I completely agree with that. I think um, a lot of people can be guilty of of working their life away. And um, like, I think at some point you've got to sit down and go, what are you working for? Um, we all work. We're all going to work until we retire. Um, you've still got to do things in life that, that are positive experiences and and work isn't something that should shackle you in that um i mean if you if you're working at eight o'clock on a friday night while you're while your friends are out having a beer um what are you doing <laughs> but no uh, we'll move on to the next one last by last but by no means least easy for me to say um martin um more of a holistic approach and uh, quite philosophical. I was. I, I enjoyed this question, uh, and when I talked to, to everyone uh, in calls prior to this uh, session, um, everyone highlighted how interesting this is. So it's as simple as in life: do we live as we teach? Martin, give us a bit of a background on that, and then we'll work our, our way around the room.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, we we just heard it now, uh, and and uh, do we actually do that ourselves? You can ask. Uh, are we and especially these we as managers I would say we I see us as as role models. Uh if we want our employees to work not too much, as you say, Felix, I think it's I'm actually more afraid of that than, than work people working too less. Uh, I'm afraid of working too much because it's too close to the home. And and do we do we also do it in the same way? I mean, when do we stop working? The 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 office is like five meters away, so you can start up like five seconds and you're on to it. Uh, but when do you unplug, and and do you actually uh, live then as you teach as a manager, and do you do you follow your principles and uh, what you set up as your, your to your employees? How, how do you reason about that, and uh, what's your way of? Because I think we all are engaged people, so we probably work a bit too much. I think. Uh, so how do we keep that level of balance in our own lives then, and and, and uh, then as we say, learn. Uh, and teach. That's my question.
0: It's really interesting. I think uh, you made a good point there on um, on a new challenge that we're facing in the last sort of 12 or 18 months on um, with your home being your office. Where do you draw the line? When are you? When does? um, When do you how do you establish the boundary between um, relaxing uh, in your home environment, your safe place? and when do you, do you sort of bring that to being the office? How do you transform it? Is it by getting dressed in the morning um, so that you're in the right frame of mind? Is it by, when you finish work, putting it away properly and getting it out again in the morning so that your, your home becomes your home again? Um, I'm really interested in, in everyone's insights here. I'm going to pick on Michaela first. Go ahead. Great.
2: I mean, getting full... dressed is a bit like when you said about like in the morning you get you get up and get dressed to kind of feel the difference I, I, I don't feel like I'm doing that maybe but I think one of the things that I'm very clear about is that I'm trying to show that um the people in my team and kind I've of shared oh I'm gonna head out a bit earlier today or, like it's super sunny so like all of us take 30 minutes and go out in the sun or like I think a lot of just showing you know that I'm human too, like we're all humans and we want to go outside or maybe you sleep in one day or, you know, like you can you can leave a bit earlier or um, not being very stuck in those old framework yourself, which is something that I've kind of really had to practice um, the last couple of months or year, I don't even know anymore. Um, and I'm trying to a lot with empathy, like I want, all the people around me to have a good work-life balance. I want them to be happy and healthy and have time to spend with their friends, especially in the pandemic. It's like, okay, there's nothing we can do. So whatever you can do, I want you to do more of that to make you stay sane and happy and healthy. Uh, And I try to practice that on myself. So if I feel, oh, I haven't done that much today, I would never say that to another Why would I keep saying that to me? So like, I think just, continue to reminding myself like when I feel like maybe I should send that email or maybe I should uh, look uh, at the meeting notes for tomorrow morning's meeting it's like I would never expect anyone else to do that so why should I expect myself to do it so I think that's where I'm trying to like find a good balance um, and I I really think that as a manager or lead like you said like we need lead by example like we need to we need to really uh, almost be the the forefront of of like making it okay to take a couple of um hours extra to like uh, catch up on something or I don't know what it means but um just trying to be have empathy and understanding as much for me as I have for everyone else that I'm working with I think that's my approach
0: fantastic Frederick what do you think um
4: yeah no but I, I think um a couple of angles to that. I, I think, first of all, like if if you if you are in a manager position, you 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 shouldn't underestimate how your own behaviors will uh, trickle down to your team or, or teams if you have several of them, uh, whether we like it or not, right? Like so, I, I try to be quite conscious about that uh, in in a couple of different ways. One is that. Uh, I talk about these kind of things with the people reporting directly to me, who who are mainly team leads and and team managers, and and making sure like we're aligned on what what the expectations are here, and like, uh, uh, and then I, I I try to talk to people about these kind of things in a, in a larger context uh, uh, as well. I, I have personally I have one thing that that helps me because sometimes I I forget and I work too much because I am I am engaged in my in my job. I I think it's very fun. Uh, but, but I made a deal with myself uh, at one point where I said, like, the time of the day where I quit working for that day, uh, whether that's four or it depends, right? But whenever that time is that then then I'm done, even if I feel like, oh, there's so much I need to do, like, then I've decided like that day is done. Uh, so then I don't have to have this like debate in my head whether I should work another hour or not, because I, I realized that is actually more draining than than doing the actual work. So uh, and then I've been talking about that. And then this fun thing happened one evening. I was actually working a bit. So I added a comment in a shared doc and I got the response from someone like, hey, Frederick, you're breaking your rule. You're working in the evening. So that was a that was a good sign. The message got out, I think. Uh, and then it's 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 these little things like if I if I send an email at a, a weird hour, I, I make it like o- overly clear, like I'm not expecting answers to this outside of boss, business hours. I'm just happening to catch up a bit and so forth.
0: I think that's an interesting approach in what you said just at the very end there in in establishing that. Um, that boundary. If you are happening to be addressing something later on at night because you've had a busy day and you're you're picking some things up, so that you're in a good place to go again the following morning, highlighting that there's no um, need for for the recipient to come back or or come in in the morning and feel as though they've um, they've let themselves down or let you down by uh, not seeing it till the morning. I think that's a really really nice way of 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 keeping that. That border really, and while you may be uh, breaking the border yourself, um, not expecting someone else to do it, um, is is a nice way of, of looking at it. Damian, what do you think on on Martin's question?
1: Yeah, this one uh, opened up Pandora's box, I think, of of, of thoughts and questions for me. Uh, um, I think uh, I'm my own biggest hypocrite. Like I, I vouch for all of these things, and then I completely forget that I'm doing exactly what what Frederick said. Like I'm, I'm enabling the the overworking behavior, and the people might look look to me and say, "Oh, he's uh, he's working a lot, so I should pr- maybe also work a lot." And you tend to forget that. I think something that helped me a lot was. Um, I, I think a lot of organizations have like a coach or somebody you can talk to, to help you kind of uh, go through your thought process of, of work and kind of why you're very ambitious. Something that uh, that I realized through my process of actually talking to somebody who is not a friend, a not a colleague, or somebody who knows me, talking to somebody outside of, of my uh, social network uh, helped me actually realize that the reason why, uh, why I put in a lot of hours in work was because I valued the amount of hours I was working, not the value I outputted. And this was like an epiphany for me. Of course, it's the value that I bring during irrelevant of how many hours I work. I can, uh, as, as Frederick said, I can have this list, I can have a huge backlog of, backlog of things, and I will always chase to kind of empty that backlog, but that's never going to change. Like, that's never going to end. So you kind of need to sit down and realize the value that you're bringing, uh, the value that you're bringing is sufficient, even though you're working maybe four hours to to eight hours and set yourself a mental limit to like, I've achieved the task that I need for the day. You close your laptop, you put it away and you spend time on the things that, that matter to kind of calm, calm you down or, or get into another, another mindset. But what I, like do we do we live and learn as individuals versus organizations i feel like we're slowly with baby steps getting there i see like a lot of a lot of organizations adopting a better culture which is amazing to see as i mentioned a bunch of companies specifically in the us and silicon valley that are actually pushing for change in removing this crunching culture and we're also like destigmatizing the discourse of mental health which is also a huge stepping stone in order to help people who might be suffering from stress or or burnout and so on, um, and and for me it's been very like eye opening to to be out contracting with different companies and as a contractor even hear hear people say the words like life comes first like it's it's COVID or like your parents are sick or you need to take a mental break like life comes first that's that's what I've heard and and uh, credits to Spotify who have these type of managers as well who, who promote this, which is amazing to hear. And this is, I think the trust that we've been talking about as well, hearing that from your manager, like take time off, cool down, uh, check out and, and come back, like energize. Um, so yeah, I think, um, but um, you can see that we, we should probably implement more proactive measures as well, uh, because we do see that people burn out. We do see that that people are still under a lot of stress in, uh, in our business. So putting in proactive measures to identifying potential burnout is something that we're kind of missing. And I, I read an article, I'm also not gonna name the company, but it's, it's it was a US company that gave like their employees a week off for, for like recovering from burnout. And this goes to show like if, if you're giving your employees a week off to recover from burnout, Then you predicted that burnout as well. Like that's you should have had measures in place to maybe have a healthier balance. Maybe as as Frederick said, like you have the peaks and then you have the valleys, and you balance things out over a longer period of time rather than than crunching people to to a collective burnout within a company. So, yeah, I uh, um, that's um, a little bit little bit about uh, both like individual individual changes you need to do and and definitely workplace changes but I think we're actually going in the right direction for sure.
0: No, it's really nice to hear you open Pandora's box as you mentioned earlier and, and talk your mind on that and um, some really really interesting points from everyone. Martin does this go in any way towards answering your question?
3: Yeah definitely and uh, you're not alone in this boat either are you? I mean <laughs> Uh, when, when the self-discipline thing, as you say, do we do we, uh, do we leave us to teach in that aspect? Uh, of course, you can also question yourself. I mean, just putting it out there, we don't have time to discuss it deeply, but uh, I mean, if we have agreements with each employee, uh, why shouldn't it be okay if we know both him or her and me that we are most efficient between 8 and 10 and Tuesdays? Then it shouldn't be... Uh, uh, not uh, accepted to 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 send emails during that time, for instance, but that's based on on a trust again and the agreement that you have. So you need to really figure out I mean to have these um, uh, agreements in place and and also being trustworthy as the manager to what we have agreed, you follow, whatever that is. But that is not uh, necessarily between eight and five, as you say, but then we have to uh, have these agreements in place. The other thing I'm thinking about is the uh, being here physically at home but maybe not present. That's also a, a pragmatic, uh, maybe problematic thing. You have kids around, you're here physically, they understand that you're there, but you're not there really. Like now we're having this podcast and the children are out there screaming, it's like, yeah, but I'm, that is working. <laughs> so you're there, but, not, but you're not there. That's also a challenge going forward, but uh, I think the balance of the more, more positive sides of, of uh, this um, uh, is, is overcoming uh, the obstacles is, is my in my view. And the one again companies that dare to try this uh, to manage the risk as we have as a principal in Scania would be the winners so thank you for inputs on, on my questions as well
0: and we'll leave it there for today then this has been the evolution exchange podcast i want to take this opportunity to thank all contributors damian michaela martin and frederick for providing their insights into the topic and thank you for listening um if you'd like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts reach out to me on linkedin or by email at sean.hughes at evolution see you next time